You're listening to Creative Voices, sponsored by Treebark Store. Hey guys, hello and welcome to the first episode of the new format of Creative Voices. Today we're going to be touching on a topic, COVID community and creativity. Pretty much lessons that we've all learned from this year. The format we're going to be taking is uh, one of the hosts will be taking the lead each week. So for this week, it's Andrew's turn to launch him into it. So Andrew, take us off. (laughs) No pressure. Thanks very much, Jeff. Can I just start off by saying, I saw a clip um, just a wee while ago. Well, the start of the pandemic, you know, the, the kind of summery bright spring of it all you know when there was still hope and yeah. it was sun was shining yeah exactly and you know everyone still thought it was a just a simply bad case of the flu and um there was a there was a clip a video clip doing the rounds on social media of nicola Coughlin from the dairy girls yes i think i remember this actually yeah, yeah uh from she's from galway herself actually yeah um apparently uh, yeah and it's her just simply saying look Things are tough, times are tough. Um, you might feel a little bit alone, a little bit kind of locked away and isolated, but for the love of God, whatever you do, if you're a, a man below the age of 35 or whatever, don't start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I remember her saying that, uh, yeah, middle-aged white men in particular are a real danger in this scenario. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's and then, you know, when, when we first kind of started chatting about this and you were, you know, you kind of said to me, maybe you can kind of pick up where you left off but obviously with the new pivoting as you put yep. it um, you know the, the first thought that came to my mind was well who wants to listen to two guys you know locked away in a basement <laughs> talking about stuff surely there's enough talk yeah. and enough noise and everything going on and then but then I kind of thought to myself you know you, what you run the tree bark store gives you a unique perspective on everything right so you're, you're kind of at the heart of a community mm. And I don't want to sound trite and I don't want to sound kind of uh, cheesy or, you know, whatever, but communities really come to the fore. Like, Absolutely. it's really become, I don't like, I don't know about you. I was certainly at the starts of the, all of this. Uh, there were so many heartwarming instances of people going, you know, I'll help, you know, putting things out on social media, saying, you know, uh, if you need help, I'll help you out. If you're isolating, I'll come shop for you or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And I kind of thought, wow, you know, for all the naysayers who say at moments of crisis, everyone becomes a selfish little so-and-so, yeah. you know, he, you know, you're wrong. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it's because I live, I inhabit this, this little bubble of Galway, which seems to be such a kind of magical cultural kind of space and where there, there does seem to be this bizarrely friendly, warm, welcoming facet to it, um, aspect to it rather, um, but you know, I, I was just I was just blown away by all the kindness that I saw around me, and then, and then reality slowly began to seep in. Yeah. <laughs> Did you feel the same way, or is this? Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, for me, I've worked in hospitality in this industry in some capacity for 11, 12 years this year now, actually. So I'm kind of used to engaging with the community, but this definitely feels that there's more direct engagement locally than there ever has been. For us, it's only the second year of the business, so it's a very interesting experience to have kind of accelerated forward in the way that we're a, a hub of activity for people. But I certainly know that for a lot of people during some of those darker months earlier in, in the year and stuff, we were definitely one of the few kind of outlets they had. And I had it said to me more than once, perhaps even threatened once or twice, that if we did close, <laughs> there'd be real issues for people because they wouldn't have somewhere to go. And, you know, obviously keeping everything safe and still you know, operating in a way that was that was uh, above board and, and in line with restrictions. But you often have like people 
congregating outside the shop, you know, and the, the car park or the green area outside. And it became a real center of activity and coffee is definitely the new pints, you know? Oh yeah. What We're not allowed them anyways, but you know, no. coffee is the new pints. And, the, you know, for me, I think if this entire thing leads to a shift in Ireland of how we socialize and how we interact, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because no. we're definitely the anomaly in Europe, in my mind, in that regard. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, I've, I'm half Scottish, half Maltese, right? Mm. I grew up in Malta. The pub scene isn't... Well, I don't know that there are many other places in the world that has a pub scene, pub like, scene, like yeah. the Irish pub scene. Yeah. Which, by the way, I love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, growing up in Malta, they, we, you know, socializing happens on beaches and around barbecues and things. And it... so. And there's a terrible kind of parochialness about Malta, which I always wanted to escape and didn't like. A kind of uh, insularity as well. And it's just funny that when COVID came around here, I was so grateful for the kind of... Well, it's not parochial and it's not insular, far from it. It's a very cosmopolitan town. But I was I was grateful for the, for the smallness of it, of mm. Galway. Um, what I'd gone to escape from Malta... I found here in a far, in, in a, a far improved kind of <laughs> dimension, Version, yeah. to my mind at least. I mean, some people might want the sun and the sand and everything. I'm I'm quite happy with the cold and the misery in the pubs. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by people who come to Ireland from hotter climates. Like, did you not get the memo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I came. You know, they say heaven for the view and hell for the company. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Except it's kind of the, the inverse, really, because, yeah. you know, hell's where the heat is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, initially when COVID's, uh, as I said, when COVID struck, oh, well, it kind of seeped in, really. Mm. Didn't, it didn't really, I wish there was a bit more of a bang, but it was a slow. Yeah, yeah it was a build up. Build up. Um, there were just so many of these, like, heartwarming, um, just kind of really human uh, acts. And then slowly as time got by and people got a little bit more, um, well fed up and understandably so but it, it became more it became a kind of these movements started kind of popping up of people going almost like adolescents or juveniles railing against their parents kind mm. of going I don't like you telling me what to do what to do and everything and you you know everything's split into two you've got the state and you've got us and it's like us railing against the state all the time it's so easy to forget that there's all these different levels in between us and the states you know the, these smaller kind of rings that you can content yourself with like your immediate neighborhoods like the coffee shop the tree park down the roads you know like um you know the local community hall or whatever else it doesn't all have to be well if we're going to have a discussion about something or engage with something it's what donald trump is doing in the u.s or what varadkar said in the senate or whatever you know yeah. um i think for me personally anyway covid's managed to kind of kind of brought that to the fore what i mean yeah and i think you've kind of touched on a good point too there is that like some of that news is so remote and removed from us and now some more than ever that maybe we realize that you know coming back to a smaller community that even though we could have gone to the u.s last year or whatever maybe that doesn't mean it really impacts us i mean i know it does in certain ways but the obsession that some people would have had with the news cycle of a country they don't even live in yeah is strange when you think about it it is it is you wake up every day and I mean, I got rid of all my social media, right? Um, my Facebook and Twitter, anyway. I'm still using kind of Instagram and stuff because it doesn't have that negative impact on me that the mm. others did. Because you would wake up, 
doom scrolling. Yeah, you're straight off on your social media and your on your Facebook or whatever, and you're scrolling, and you know what's going on in this country, in that country, and whatever. And yet, there's so much far more interesting, far more exciting, and to bring it to the subject at hand, far more creative things going on on your doorstep yeah. that you could that are going to give you far more fulfillment, and that you can actually. You're not just a kind of passive observer to, like, because there's nothing you can do about what's going on in America yeah. right now. Yeah. But you can be an active participant in what's going on in your, in your community. In your own yeah. community. Um, I think a lot of people perhaps did feel that. So I don't know. Like you, you're a window into this, into Moycolin at least. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, there's there's definitely been a case of you see that the groups that were already in some way connected have definitely become stronger connected as part of this. And you can't help but overhear snippets of conversation when you're standing behind a bar listening to people all day long. I definitely feel that if people didn't have something to engage with locally, for those who maybe by, by not by choice, but by dint of circumstances, had to be isolated for long months, some of whom I know, it's definitely been a very difficult, dark period. Whereas if you have something to hang on to, even just as a group of ladies here who walk locally, and I hear them planning all these different routes, be it the wind farm, or maybe we'll do the farm, you know, and it's, They've made that thing their own, which is always something they did anyways, but maybe didn't invest as much of their time in. And the value of what they're doing isn't the walk of where they are, it's the, the, the contact with each other. But they're also kind of keeping it fresh and creative in that way, like mixing up what they do and keeping people engaged, you know? Yeah, I mean, have you found, are there any kind of, have you had to find new and inventive ways of entertaining yourself? I mean, Netflix can only stretch so far. You know, yeah. what, well, what have you, like, how have you been going about? Have you taken up the walking thing and the exercise stick and yoga? Well, any kind of yoga so classes going? The, time, man. <laughs> the luxury of time. I'm, I'm a self employed man with two businesses and two kids. Um, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, you know, so. <laughs> cool your jets. <laughs> Homeschooling. Okay. Uh, well, actually, one of the things we had been working on, myself and my friend Tom, we run another show. A YouTube show and an Instagram TV show here in the, in the shop called The Coffee Course. I don't oh, know if cool. you're familiar with it. Um, well, I've seen it. I've seen it on your website. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on in your website. Yeah. And I don't know what, what it is that I haven't actually clicked on or yeah. got into. I didn't realize that you had the full, like, oh, wow, yeah, cool. So I think we've about 20 something episodes. And we, we'd started that earlier last year. And the initial ones were like brew guides. So it's myself and Tom. We'd take you through a format of like, here's how you brew a French press. I'd say I'd make the French press and then Tom would take some questions afterwards about how it works. And we'd done a good series of those and we had a lot planned and then obviously all this hit. So we ended up actually doing remote recording of this. But what we did was we started diving into some of the really deep technical science side of stuff behind espresso. So Tom would be on his end with a drawing pad recording a screen. Wow. We were talking about, you know. And I recorded, turned my house into the, the new studio and the weather was so good. We recorded some stuff in my garden, you know, doing like iced coffees and Lovely. all this sort of thing. So it's, it's worth a check. It's worth a look. It's the coffee course, C-O-A-R-S-E. The, yeah. the pun is intentional. Yeah. Even the amount of people <laughs> have told me I've, spo- I've spelt it wrong. Yeah. Um, it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point. <laughs> that's the whole point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was one aspect of what we were doing there. And, um, I actually threw myself into, like, you know, since I had more family time at home, we uh, made a series of videos. I'm going to say this now. It's going to be cringe. It's called Lockdown Lols. And it's just, like, <laughs> recordings of my kids over the course of six weeks. Oh, well, that's, that's Yeah, that's trimmed lovely. into a series of short movies and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, got my young ones using my, my daughter, who's only, like, five, actually helped me 
photograph and catalog every single product in the shop. So it was her little bit of time we would set up the home studio every day and she'd be taking the photos. I, I saw one of these pictures on, was it Instagram? Or yeah, yeah. Instagram story or something you yeah. posted. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good actually. Yeah, no, she's she's gotten quite good, yeah. Um, so just kind of using, you know, the environments we had and the people who were in our small circle in, in different ways. I do know what you mean though. There is, you know, it seems magical, doesn't it? Oh my God, I get to be at home for a few weeks and my mortgage will get stopped yeah. and this is all great and yeah. But I don't know about you, but as someone who's worked for himself for so long, after four to five weeks, I was like, I'm going to lose my mind. Well, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, I have to confess that I actually, I've actually loved most <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, I work from home anyway. Okay. Um, I work for an e-commerce company and I'm, I'm on my laptop most of the time anyway. So there wasn't as much adjustment to it as there might have been for someone like yourself who's out and about and meeting people and stuff. Yeah. But I'm also, I think, Personally, anyway, anyway, I'm I'm quite like I like. It might sound bizarre being on a podcast saying this, but I, I'm more of an introvert really mm. than anything, and I quite like kind of sitting at home and reading and writing, and then going for for walks and things and whatever. I, I think I'm old before my time. Maybe I'm. <laughs> really, um, I bought a second armchair. Nice, uh, a rocking chair. Sorry, no, a rocking <laughs> Even chair. Better. Yes, um, you sitting on the porch with your shotgun. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm gonna own it. You know. <laughs> Uh, at some point, I'm going to have to invest in a pipe. Um, but I, like, I quite like that kind of contemplative stuff. But even then, um, you know, we're getting to a point now, it's a year on. And I do miss, like I walked past the Blue Note the other day. Mm. And if there's one pub in Goy that I miss, it's the Blue Note. Yeah. I've just got a soft spot for that place. That I don't know why. Um, it's just, Maybe it's just the, the, the once again, the wel- welcomingness of it and the, the mix of people you get there. But it's the pub, I guess. I guess it's the the alcoholism. Yeah. Although it's not alcoholism in Ireland, is it really? It's tradition. Yeah, I know. It's fine. It's part of our culture. Yeah. But um, but then you know, the other thing with COVID is, well, with any creativity, usually the best creativity comes from... Challenge uh, and from time. Yeah. And from, and, yeah. yeah. It's like the Dogma 95 filmmakers, right? Who, you know... Set themselves a limit to... Yeah, they had like 10 rules and it was, you know, well, we're not going to use music and we're not going to use professional cameras. It was only going to be camcorders and stuff. And it's genius, just absolutely. But this has been kind of, nature has, uh, nature has imposed this limitation on us. And and it's, yeah. um, I think it depends. I mean, there is a real danger that people might have felt last year, given all the time they had that, oh, there's a real need to like get in great shape or finish yeah. my book or whatever it might be or you know learn to be an amazing chef or suddenly I should be able to speak Spanish by the end of the year <laughs> yes. you know whatever it might be and you know in some ways yeah that's great but also there's the reality of life that there's still certain things that need to be done and it's a time of tension for people so trying to force people into being productive at a time when it's probably more high stress than it's ever been yeah. it's the equivalent I feel of putting someone into college studying while literally pointing a gun at them you know yeah absolutely uh, I, once again like I don't want to be contrarian but the, I found like the opposite happened for me. Mm. Um, Slowed right down, and I don't. Yeah, and I don't want to keep making this a, <laughs> about me, but right. you know, I think there were a few people who kind of went actually, you know, who also who went the opposite way and went actually, this is an opportunity to slow things down. And you know, I hadn't picked up, I hadn't picked up a book and read through a book for months beforehand, and it was you know it would happen fairly sporadically. Mm. And now I was like, well, the world's Rum's burning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm Where's gonna, my fiddle? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm just going to sit here and, you know, whatever. Because for the first time, I, and I think Sinead, my, my partner, felt the same way, actually. Mm. 
for the first time we were like, well, it's completely out of our hands. There's absolutely nothing you can do about this. There's something, it's almost like that kind of fight club (laughs) kind of just give into it, you know, that nihilism in a way. (laughs) No, I I definitely, because you're 100% right there. There's very little you can do to control the situation, but you can absolutely control your behavior around it and how you feel about it. And I think for some people, there may be an element of you need a project or they needed to have something to work towards, whether they complete it or not. But I know for me, and I'm a man who's kind of like that, and you can ask my wife if I take on one more thing or start one more thing, she probably will kill me. And I've, that's been the way for years, like, you know, multiple like degrees and businesses and all sorts of stuff yeah. going on. But I actually took this time, that initial six weeks you know, back in March, April and just slow down and spend time with my family. Okay, yes, I was still working in the background because we had physically closed the shop but we were running the website and yeah. stuff like that and I rebuilt the website from scratch. But right. for me, that was very low-level work compared to what I normally do. Yes. That felt like I was barely doing anything, you know? How do I actually, if you don't mind me kind of prying a little bit here, yeah. is it just really good time management that you managed to like hold down a family, hold down two businesses... You know, you, you, we were discussing you this podcast. You can manage your time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were discussing this podcast and you were like, you know, oh, you know, I'll go mad with nothing to do kind of thing. And it's like, well, how are you fitting it in? Like, you've got all this other stuff to kind of... Not a whole lot of sleep. That's what right. I find. Yeah. Um, oh, that's why you took up, you started a coffee business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I, mean, I I've got real itchy feet, you know, and yeah. even itchy hands. I, I can't... I think there are creams for that. Yeah, I know, right? Well, <laughs> well not for what I got. Like... <laughs> If one was given out to me earlier on, it was like I literally would walk from the shop over to like to pick up, say, milk if we're stuck in the yeah. Super Valley, which may be a three minute walk. Right. I'm not going to leave here to walk over there without my headphones on because I'm right. not going to waste that six minute round trip where I could be listening right. to an episode of something or a bit of a book or whatever it might be. And you I do that get... when I'm standing in a queue. I do that when. So is is retirement going to be. If you ever get the luxury of retirement, <laughs> I guess do all those projects I didn't have time for. Well, yeah, yeah, you're going to be that because you know the number of uh, friends with like older, with you know grandparents or older dads or whatever else, and they can't just stay. They're always going, oh, he can't stay put. He's fixing the the kitchen chair that doesn't need fixing, and yeah. he's you know all that kind of thing. That's, I'm that guy, except for you wouldn't want to let me near fixing anything. No, <laughs> <laughs> that is not a good idea. And what's like if you had advice for kind of how to keep kids entertained? Because I mean, like, what, first of all, your kids haven't. They're not in school yet, right? Once. Uh, so my youngest is four. He had been in crash, and my oldest will be six in a few months. So she's senior infants. Right. Um, give them something to be engaged in, you know, and make it part no. of your life. <laughs> as in, like, I've always spoken to them and engaged with them as if they were grown-ups. I don't right. do, like, the whole kid speak thing. Goo goo gaga. Yeah, or even just generally talking down to them. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll bust their chops the same as if they're one of my friends. <laughs> And it lends itself to a different relationship, but I find it works for me. Yeah. And they understand stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, just don't patronize them. Yeah, it's silly stuff. You know, I mean, okay, obviously there's physically certain things they couldn't do. You know, they're not big enough or strong enough. <laughs> change a tire, please. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, we've always found that even, like, getting our daughter to help out in the smallest capacity. Like, yeah. You just tell her to, she's a little toy brush or a little tiny hoover. She wants to, she wants to help. She wants to be involved. Because that's all part of family life. I don't believe in this kind of whole separation of kids from the adults, to an extent. To an extent, yeah. But she spent a lot of the early days, like I decided, okay, um, I'm, I'm a qualified chef as well. I did a, a four-year degree in chef and we ran the restaurant. So 
I was like, okay, I haven't really broken. Just drop that in there. Just yeah. drop. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't really spent much time. Um, that was after my PhD in physics. Yeah, yeah, and in between, my, <laughs> yeah. uh, just hadn't spent much time really like honing that skill that I love in quite some time. So I broke out like all the stuff we had at home and started like perfecting door recipes and oh, cool. cooking everything from scratch and got her involved in that. And even just like carrying bags of flour or weighing things out yeah. and mixing stuff and. You know, they feel like they're a part of it. And then Absolutely. also, it's also way easier to get them to eat stuff if they've been involved in the making of it. Ah, that's that's, that's one for you for future yeah. reference. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. And the kids just want to be active, man. Like, you know, like we must have walked the loop. There's a couple of kilometers of loop around our house. You probably know it actually from there. And see, I don't know. And obviously, you don't want to tell me at some yeah, point. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know exactly where. It, I yeah, mean, not too, not area. too, not too far from where you live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. on the on, on the left in the main road before you. But there's a nice little loop there, and it became like this social interaction. Coming back to it, there was um, some people who would literally sit in their garden and wait for the day, middle of the day when people would walk past and they'd be talking to their neighbors Aww. from you know. That's that's sweet. Um, I like that. I had a friend who was working from home at the time and he was he was pretty much working from a tent in his garden because he just couldn't find the space or peace in the house. Yeah. So he'd run an extension lead out to the tent and then he'd take a break and just go stand at the wall, wait for people to walk past and like that'd be his, you know. We we did some we did some remote pints and stuff like that where I'd, yeah. I'd walk up and stand at one end of the, the wall with my cans and he'd have his. And You know, you realise, no more than what you spoke about earlier on, We've built our social interaction around these constructs in our head of pubs and how they should work. Yeah. But really, it's less about the drink and more about the people. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that that's alcohol or coffee. There's a way to make these things happen if you want. Totally. Um, I actually got to know so many of my neighbors so much better during that small period. Yeah, we we kind of had we had something. So actually, to your point there about you just reminded me of a of a line in. Um, uh, Goodwill Hunting when mm-hmm. when uh, Will and I think her name's Sky- Skylar or Sky. Yeah, it's been a few years now. So. Yeah. Well, she says, um, you know, says to him, "Oh, shall we go for coffee or something?" And he says, "Oh, we, we could go for caramels or something." It's completely arbitrary, really. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we can go do something anyway. And it's and yet it's funny. I find having to having to adjust to not going to meet someone for pints yeah <laughs> like just sitting in a room and just chanting like you know whatever is is actually taking some adjusting to yeah which is kind of strange but anyway to your other point about neighbors um we actually moved uh in the midst of the pandemic um when things seemed to kind of calm down a little bit i think it was kind of midst we were out anyway we used to live in the center of town and like yourself we kind of met our neighbors at a safe distance sat in our chairs and brought out the booze and you know I had a few cans and Sinead had a few cans and they had bottles of wine and then as the night progressed it was like oh I think I'll just nip to the offie up the road and get a few more and da 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 and these neighbours who we'd not really spoken to for like the entire two years we'd been there we spent five hours with sat outside just chatting away and drinking no music no TV or anything I was like wow yeah this is how people used to interact (laughs) I know yeah we didn't even have the the, the lantern with the yeah. candle or whatever, you know, yeah. the gas lantern. It was, you know, almost pitch black by the time we were done, but we managed it, you know? it's And that's what I mean about the community thing. That's kind of rediscovering how to engage with people. It's been refreshing. I think that the joy of, like, the global world in some way is that no matter how weird or quirky your interest might be, you'll find someone who will be into what you're into. But it's all too easy then to forget that 
essentially people are more or less the same. So if you want to and you're willing to, you can pretty much connect with anyone in some do you, capacity. Do you really think that people are more or less the same? Yeah, I do. Speaking. Like what they believe and what they think might be different, but they're built around the same ideas, just with different experiences. Yeah. I mean, it's very difficult for us to know the mind of someone who grew up in the Middle East in that mindset, but that's because we didn't grow up there. Yeah. And course. equally, do we think that they look at us and think of us as rational people? Probably not. They feel no. the same way too. Yeah. And I I don't say Middle East, just picking a, a place out of the air there. Yeah. Like in our previous business, um, which was an ethnic restaurant, we would have had a lot of staff that passed through through I had a lot of lads from Iran, Afghanistan, then we had a lot of people from Taiwan and Korea. Did you say from, it was an ethnic Yeah, it was an Asian food restaurant. Oh was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh so, cool. Um You couldn't be less Asian. I know, yes, I'm very very <laughs> very very white. <laughs> and something's actually just occurred to me, yes. actually. You're the you're only the no, you're the third Jeff I've known in my life, right? Yeah. The first Jeff yeah. was a chef. Jeff the chef. Jeff the chef. Yeah. You have studied chef, but you were more front of house in the restaurant, were you? Yeah, a bit of a mixed bag. I did yeah. a bit of both, but more time front of house. Right. It's quite difficult to work in the kitchen where everyone's shouting chef the whole time when your name is Jeff. Yeah. You spend a lot of time going, what, me? No, yeah. sorry, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff the chef yourself, and the third one's obviously yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For some strange fucking reason, in the last few weeks, every time I'm signing off on my WhatsApps and text, my phone has suddenly decided it wants to auto-populate With Jeff Dahmer, Dahmer as my surname. Like awkward, <laughs> a little bit. Because I've, I've never typed that before in my life, and I said, "Like thanks, regards, Jeff." Whoa, Jesus, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know if it was an update or something, or, or maybe Alexa was up to something. I don't know, man. But up. like, wait, do you have Alexa in your house? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I know. Oh dear. No. I know. I know. And I want to sound really kind of conspiratorial. Sat in a basement with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, a mic. You said in a locked in a basement, by the way, Ron. I just want to point out he is not locked <laughs> anywhere. He's here of his own choice. Yeah. <laughs> Sending subliminal messages. Uh, yeah, my, my kids use it to listen to music. They can walk into the room and they pick out their own music and they dance away. I've been slowly building them a, a library of. A school of music is what I call everything. And it's been slowly building a library out of your it has, yeah. <laughs> interactions. Well, yeah. if it likes dinosaurs and cars, it's going to be thrilled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What's no. this one called? Bronchiosaurus? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Community creativity, COVID. Like, it's just... <sighs> We're sat here doing our podcast as I keep kind of pointing it out and so many people have turned to that over the mm. COVID period as well and yeah. there's been a, a whole space of of podcasts and I like personally so many so much of it is also trying to to sell something or push something mm. and that was another thought that kind of crossed my mind when you said when, when we first started discussing this sorry for banging the mic there <laughs> but um, was we really do well I don't really want to be selling to people mm. you know and yeah. I don't know if you kind of feel the same way oh 100% like I mean what we did with this show before was very much just everyone's got a great story to tell especially if there's someone who works themselves and especially if that person who works themselves makes or creates something like how do they get to that point because that's a pretty big jump of faith yeah you know it really is so I feel like they have a story to tell and 
as an insight into the way those kind of people think or an insight into how their process works. Um, one of her really interesting episodes was with a local artist called Tori Irvine. And she did a lot of abstract art. But to actually, you know, hear someone rationalize how they approach abstract art, I'd never had the opportunity to do that before. Yeah, yeah. You know? Is Tori Irvine, is she... Now, I've seen, like, up into your shop, obviously, a few times and yeah. seen the artwork on the walls. And is her work the kind of... I don't know what the name of the process would be, but it's kind of like shamans or shamans no, that's, or whatever. That's, that's Lindsay Merlin. That's she does the oh, archetypes. Right, okay. of, yeah, that's actually Lindsay's work is very interesting, and she's actually currently designing our new coffee cup for us. Is she? Yeah, I'll show you later on. It's pretty cool. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah, Lindsay, who's from Michigan originally, she has a series of archetypes, and then she had a 2020 archetype, and a whole series that related to the kind of new cycle of what happened last year. Right. Some of them built around pollution, some of them built around uh, oh, cool. systemic racism and stuff. No, uh, Tori's work you've probably seen in square format, uh, a lot of kind of strong, sharp colors, very abstract design kind oh, of stuff. Oh, right, okay. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I know, yeah. I know what you're talking about. A lot of like mark making and kind of um, layered texture and stuff of like that. Lovely, lovely. But um, that was the point. It's like, you know, I'm always interested, and this is a lesson I always learned from the restaurant is, you never know what someone does and you never know what they have to tell you until you start talking to them. And yeah. half the job as a restaurant owner, especially front of houses, to engage and talk to people. Totally. Um, people, and not in the cynical way, but people want to feel like they're they're important to the, to the, the business. And they are, obviously, of course. So everyone wants to tell their story if you let them. Of course. So you never know what you might learn from someone. And that's an approach I took here. And with the nature of what we do upstairs... And where we are in Connemara, and you've probably noticed this too, especially with Colin, you do have a good influx and a good amount of people around who do yeah. make something themselves or work for themselves in that capacity. So statistically speaking, the amount of those who are going to come through the door is obviously higher. I've been blown away by the the by the arts uh, scene. Yeah. In I mean, I keep saying in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. I've only really visited yeah. Dublin and Galway. Limerick yeah. and whatever otherwise I'm based in Galway and yeah. you know it's and I think Galway's an especially creative kind of town I, I, yeah, I think it is unfortunately a lot of that gets tied up with the arts festival and like as one of my friends says you know art, the arts happen in 52 weeks of the year not two so people get a yeah. bit too obsessed over that particular instance of stuff and forget that there's working day-to-day artists and makers and creatives scattered throughout Ireland and especially here in Connemara is that kind of what motivates like if we had to talk about you know, tree barks. The what I loved about tree bark when mm. I first came across it, when I first kind of popped in, was that it was so much of what people are doing is it boils down to the transaction. Mm. I just want to make money off of you. I'm giving you something. I want your money off of you. Yada yada yada. And tree bark is about people exchange. So let me backtrack a little bit and rephrase this better. Mm. If you had to talk about things that are, what can be sold, you know, there's only so many items that a person actually needs in their life, mm. right? So there's, you know, a gazillion furniture brands or whatever out there, but really, you only need the one table in your kitchen. You only need the yeah. whatever. Um, and so a lot of effort goes into the marketing and the branding and whatever to to convince your customer that mine is better than the other person's. Mm. But when you're selling art... Yeah. It is by default unique yeah. and specific. And there's no kind of clever ploy or deception there. You're just laying it out there to go, which one of those do you like? And people what? have to feel a connection. and There's nothing you can do to make them feel that connection. Exactly. It's intimately, there's no kind of, there's no slice of hand. It's, mm-hmm. There's no, 
which I find refreshing, you yeah. know, because so so often you walk into any apparel store, not to knock up apparel stores, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you walk in and the, the difference between one and another is, unless it's got lovely artwork on it, yeah. is, well, you know, okay, it's, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Does yeah. Make sense? No, I, I get where you're coming from. And even, I suppose, even the physical design of our shop is a little bit different than what people are used to. And that was the first few months was a bit confusing for people because they're like, oh, this is a coffee shop, so it must look like yeah. this because all other coffee shops follow this format. Yeah. Um, so we took like a lot of the lessons we had from working for ourselves for a long time and uh, the benefit of my, well, he's not my little brother, he's my wife's little brother, but I call him my little brother, Stephen, yeah. who'd worked in the coffee industry for a long time and set up something that's very practical Yeah. from a point of view for us to function and still deliver a really good quality product because for us, it starts there. Like we're serving specialty coffee, and we're using the local roasters in Barnet. And we've set our stall out to do everything we can to represent their product as best as possible. Right. Okay. That was your starting point. Like that's when you knew you knew when you were starting this up. Like coffee first and foremost, and then you were like, I mean, did the art come second? Not really. No. So we had finished up at the restaurant. Um, we had made a kind of lifestyle choice where it was okay. The kids were a certain age. It was too difficult to juggle that lifestyle. Restaurants are consuming animals. They'll take over your life. And they're amazing experiences and I loved it. And I still do at times miss the mentalness of it. And I miss being in a kitchen. I'd happily go and work in the kitchen for the day right now. Just, I love that environment. But it's very oh, hard. No. Oh, <laughs> man, it's so good. I love it. Like, right. I, I'm, I'm such a dose to go for a dinner with because I'm there like going, where's the seat that's near the kitchen? I want to see what's going on. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um... So yeah, like we had made the decision with the kids being young enough for like, okay, let's let's get out of this now before they're too old and this is what they know because I yeah. know people who've grown up with parents in that industry and how, how much their personal life and time has suffered as a result of that. Of course. So we said, okay, look, we'll take a year out. We'll see what we'll do. I had another business. I do um, wedding and commercial photography and it was kind of, I had a good bit of work booked for that year and I was like, okay, it's enough to keep me going. Yeah. We'll find one we'll figure things out. And um, driving through my column, I was always bemoaning the lack of, of good coffee. And um, Yvonne, as she's wanting to do, was like, well, maybe you should stop talking about it. Do something about it. You know? Wow. I was like, fine. That sounded like a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, but equally, I had, as I'd mentioned before, we came on here, been working in like with lots of local businesses in the previous community. And I haven't worked for myself for a long time. I understand the difficulties of working for yourself in Ireland and yeah. the, the real lack of support, especially on a small scale. And I had a few people who were pretty valuable to me in the early days of my business and the kind of support they gave me and the benefit of experience. I was like, it'd be great to do that for other people. Because I do think, like, you know, you talk about foreign direct investment and you talk about all these big factories and that. Yeah. But the core of Ireland to me is built on small businesses. Totally. You know? Oh, absolutely. But it's the ones that get forgotten. Yeah. Because it's not as identifiable to everyone in the country you know, it's not as easy to point to it and go, this is the benefit it brings. But I've seen small businesses and the benefit they bring in, it, it boils down to more than economics. It boils down to their place in the community. Absolutely. It, you know, it boils down to what they offer to people as part of their, their lives and their days. And I know people have worked for themselves for 30, 40 years and will probably walk away from it, but no better off than they went into it financially, but will have enjoyed the life they had and what they gave to people. Absolutely. I think... And I don't want to go off on some big kind of political rant here or whatever, but put simply, there is George Monbiot, the uh, writer in, he's a Guardian writer, um, and he's just, I just received 
I just picked up a book of his just the other day, and I can't remember for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, he um, he calls it the invisible ideology, right? And it's but it's it's neoliberalism. It's the it's the idea the idea that shall not be named, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and it's just this everything is set up to um, support those kind of those big businesses that are going to kind of metastasize and grow and kind of take over. <laughs> Interesting choice of word there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Because you're right. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, how much more refreshing is it to have the local coffee shop that, in your case, is perhaps a little bit more than a coffee shop. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a, I mean, because you curate as well, you know, like local artists. And that's always Can you imagine a, if it was a Starbucks? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's always been, it's, it's even a stumbling block for us even when like something as stupid as applying for insurance policies they're like well, really? well they're like i was like well no i'm not just they're like they're like well we have a box that says coffee shop and we have a box that says retail and then we have one that says gallery and like which yeah. would you like and like can, 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 yeah could <laughs> you go for they're like no <laughs> i actually yeah. had to struggle to get commercial insurance for my, my jeep really in, that in 2019 because no one would insure me to drive to a place that was both a photography studio and a coffee shop wow they're like sorry it needs to be one or the other like that's how bizarre a scenario it is, and that's that's another you know. I do risk really going off on on one, so <laughs> I'll, I'll try and wheel it in. But that's an, another byproduct of a system that wants. It's all about the transaction to bring that back and kind of destroying the community. Mm. Is that that inflexibility? Yeah. You know that kind of like well, you don't fit into yeah. this is that box of, new. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that I can then, you know, charge you extortionate prices. Yeah. You know, on the basis on the uh, for the sake of the cartel that I work for, <laughs> you know, that's it's it's just community. Unfortunately, what's the name of that? What is the name of the rule where you're only supposed to have about you're only supposed to be able to maintain contact with like a hundred or hundred fifty people? Yeah, or something. that you can only be familiar with X amount of people and feel it, feel an affinity. It. Yeah, it's, it stems cold. back to tribe and kind of stuff. I remember. It was actually Blind Boy who was talking about that in one of his, his podcasts about how you can only feel. That's where I got it from. Sorry, yeah. Blind Boy. That was yeah. <laughs> your uh, idea. Sorry for ripping you off again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's right because I'm always fascinated by like, I go to these big weddings sometimes yeah. and I photograph and like 300 people, huh? Yeah. I don't think I even know 300 no. people. Let alone like 300 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like when I was, you know, back when I had social media and I would, I would do my calls and stuff and increasingly, you know, it, the, the sentiment ramped up to eventually getting rid of rid of, rid of them all. But, yeah. you know, as I was going along, I'd do these regular calls and stuff and it got more and more drastic as yeah. I went along. So I was going, you know, you, sometimes you would hold on to people that like you would hold on to like football cards and stuff just in case there was some value. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds mercenary, but oh, it was true. He works in that place, I might need him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then as time went by, you were like, let's be real here. Like yeah. there is absolutely no point yeah. to them not to them. Yeah. <laughs> There's well, no point to being in contact with them, yeah. like friending them, you yeah, know, yeah. in inverted commas, you know. So much less getting married and inviting a whole, you know, the whole, well, you can invite the whole village and that would make yeah, sense. You can, yeah. Because <laughs> at least they know you. <laughs> it's going to be a really interesting year though in 2021 to see how weddings pan out because now that people are being forced into smaller weddings and yeah. trying to confront the reality of those from both a financial and enjoyment point of view, yeah. they might suddenly go, Hold on a second. What was all that crack about? Yes, <laughs> you know, it's like they're going to they're going to come to the choice and they're going to go. I don't know if I really want to marry you, to be honest. Yeah. It was all about the big shindig, yeah. <laughs> and now we don't have to pay for it. Yeah, 
I shot four weddings la, in 2020 as opposed to like 25 or something the year before whatever it was and one was in January and then I think it was all the way into August or September before yeah. and I shot one in the woods here in Galway for um, two girls that got married and obviously one being from a broader family couldn't travel over so we tried to do it by Zoom and stuff yeah. for them and we actually put together a bit of a video for them to send to their families after as Lovely. well but it was class it was such a nice vibe it was just like you know what they're the reason we're here and we're doing it right so on an intimate like, I've seen weddings where people spend the day dragging their ass around going better make sure I go and talk to them make sure they're having a good time totally and then they go and ask the question that I always find hilarious where the couple ask people how was the meal as if anyone's ever going to turn around to a bride and go well it was a bit shy yeah. but you know <laughs> <laughs> don't let that hold up your day you know yeah no it's yeah The are you anxious about photography you know I mean I know the vaccines are rolling out and there's a third one on the way and mm. And whatnot, being in those kind of environments, big groups and being stuff. In, both being in those environments, but also whether, like, you know, when you're going to, you said four mm. this last year, like, uh, y- yes and no. I mean, for me, it's it's not something I'm lucky enough that it's not my core business. It's not right. something I count on to make a living. Um, and a good few of the ones that would have been booked for 2020 have shifted to 2021. It's not crazy busy either, either. Uh, but to be perfectly honest we're actually quite busy in the shop in Treebark and it's it's kind of accelerated forward a bit I think we managed to skip year two and three and go straight to year four just because we nice. got to be known so much better by everyone yeah. being forced into a smaller community and they yeah. discovered us and we got the online going and it was actually an incredibly busy year for me with commercial photography because right. lots of businesses were suddenly realised oh actually if we do want to be on this whole like selling online or we need to make them look better than absolute crap totally. photos you know <laughs> So when you say commercial photography, that would be, would you do like e-commerce photography? Would you do yeah, like, like product photography, yeah. plain background, lifestyle stuff for um, some people to make their own clothes, um, you know, food photography for restaurants and bars and cafes right. and stuff like that. Bit of everything really, anything that could be like generally smaller scale businesses because once you get to any business that has more than one layer of management, it's impossible to actually do those kind of projects successfully. Yeah. You know, you, you you plan to show up on a certain day and there's not even a chef in the kitchen because no one's spoken to the guy who's in charge. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. You know, it's 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 great because you're getting to work with these really small businesses and people who've poured their heart and soul into making this thing they make. And the joy of that too is that they're so invested in what it is, they have a very clear idea how they want to be represented. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you go for a bigger company once in a while and no one knows what they want. No. You know, they just want... Oh, Make it look nice. You're like, oh, great, that's the remit. Oh, I'll, I'll be sure and do that. You know. Well, that's that's one of the benefits that smaller businesses have over bigger businesses is the mm. personalization. Yeah. It's the you know, it's one advantage that um, I keep going back to e-commerce because that's what I work in. But you know, people opening up their stores for the first time, the small small businesses and whatever um, online for the most part, um, they that's the benefit that they have as opposed to say you know Calvin Klein a known brand but they had to come up with its own uh, AI Lil Michaela her name was yeah. and it was a, a CGI created character, uh, character yeah. with its own Instagram and everything and it got a lot of engagement and stuff but they have to resort to Doing inventing that. a face yeah, yeah. because they are this big huge yeah. you know blob yeah. <laughs> um, and you know that, that kind of personal element people keep if if one thing if there's one thing that COVID has done, it's really kind of I think focused our attention on like what it means to be 
human as opposed to being a big money earning brand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's it's a benefit. It's and it a silver also lining. makes people feel a little bit better about the money they spend when they can see who it's going to, the direct kind of impact. I mean, okay, conversely, it's actually also one of the biggest difficulties of being a small business owner because you have to give over so much of your time to of engage course. with people in a way that probably could be done more efficiently, but that's not what it's about. You know, it's not. No, it's, it sorts the wheat from the chaff in a way. Mm. It's like those who really are passionate about what they're doing and those yeah. who are just in it for the money. Yeah, <laughs> like that's 100%. 100%. The, big, the big difference. Um, moving forward, I'm just hoping that... Uh, I'm just... This might sound like an airy-fairy thing to say, but I'm just hoping to see more of it, to see more mm. of that kind of... I mean, Galway 2020 was a, was a flop. Call it what it is, to be honest. I mean, I was looking forward to that, and it's, yeah. it was absolutely... Yeah, despite all the rumors and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We've just kind of blown blown out of the air by this. And yeah. there's a lot of artists walking around going, shoots, you know, yeah. I had an opportunity there. And it's... Yeah. So, here's hoping 2021 brings a little bit more of that. I think a lot of people have, have had the uh, the courage to go and do something this year based on what's happened. Like The amount of people I know have opened businesses in 2020, which seems mental, but... Yeah. You know... And I think the supports for small businesses have improved since, mm. but maybe that's something to be explored in another <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> another podcast. Yeah. Okay, so we're actually just hitting in around the forty-five minute mark, so it might be a, a good time to curtail there for the first conversation. Yeah. Make <laughs> make like a good Catholic and withdraw. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So that was the very first episode of our our new show. <laughs> It's very difficult to concentrate now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as usual, pretty much all the links you'll need for both ourselves and for Andrew and any other resource we might want to point out to you will be in the show notes. And feel free to get in touch with us through the various channels, be it through Facebook or uh, Instagram or maybe even YouTube. And we look forward to you joining us on the next show. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Creative Voices. This podcast is sponsored by Treebark Store and produced by P3B Photography. For more information, find us on Instagram, treebark.store or at P3B underscore photos. You can visit our website, treebarkstore.com or p3bphotography.com. Thanks again and catch you on the next episode.